Moms. Welcome back to Your Hell Yes Life, the show for women who crave more meaning, joy, and fulfillment, and are ready to create a life that lights them up. Each week, I'll bring you inspiring stories, valuable insights, and useful tips to trailblaze your own unique, fabulous life. I'm your host, Zaya B, abstract artist, author, and international change leader. Today's episode is all about navigating the bumps on your road to your hell yes life and learning how to not just survive them, but to use them to your advantage. Have you ever wondered how some people seem to handle life's challenges with ease while others get stuck? Joining us today is dynamic and inspiring guest, Pat Wetzel. Pat is the creator of Bump in the Road podcast and book, where she focuses on people who have successfully gotten through these challenges. Pat and I are both really curious explorers, and I enjoy diving into this discussion using this lens of exploration as we navigate challenge. Pat has learned firsthand how to transform adversity into opportunity. From her vast experience in her podcast and talking to people, she shares what she learned about embracing life's obstacles and using them as catalysts for growth and change. So what has she learned from her life and her guests about how to turn these bumps into fuel to create a hell yes life? Well, you're gonna have to listen to learn. Before we get started, just one more tidbit. I would love to connect and continue to support you with more stories, ideas, and insights to help you as you create your hell yes life. Please join my mailing list the link is in the show notes. Welcome back, your hell yes lifers. I am so excited to be here and for you to meet Pat Wetzel today. And we're going to talk today about that, about bumps in the road, these unexpected things that can happen and how we handle them from a hell yes perspective. So how do we let this thing happen that is often seen in a negative thing? It could be an illness. It could be a breakup. It could be a loss of a job, a loss of a house, all of these things that happen. I mean, Pat and I are, I'd say, officially middle age. Once you get to this point, you have had a bump. It's just happened. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've experienced a bump. And so how do we actually approach those with an attitude of yes instead of an attitude of resistance? And I'm not saying that the minute it happens, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sick. But getting to that point so that it's not a a constant struggle throughout the entire experience. So that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Pat, I know that you have unfortunately had many bumps in your road. No, fortunately. Oh, okay. I like that. Thank you for correcting me. You have had many bumps in your road. Can you share briefly about some of the ones that were most impactful in your life and setting you on this course towards focusing on the bumps? Yeah, I would say there are a few. One was certainly getting sick early on. I was working in the bond market in New York and feeling very tired. I was having trouble swallowing. I was losing weight. And I just attributed it to inordinately long hours. But in actuality, I have a very rare neurologic disease called myasthenia gravis. And that was the first huge bump that was just an identity-shattering bump that took me from an incredibly interesting, positive career to what? So that was bump number one. Bump number two was getting divorced. Fast forward a few years and my ex runs off with his nurse to a new job, a new, you know, new hospital, new everything. I have the dying dog and I'm stuck in a place I don't want to be. (laughs) And that was pretty, pretty, to say it was unnerving is putting it mildly. There were a lot of events surrounding it that I don't want to get into, but it just turned my world upside down. And that turned out to be a very interesting bump because while my world was upside down, 
And my day-to-day life was just awful. I mean, it was, I think I cried for a year. It was just oh, wow. awful. I was learning to fly at the same time, fly uh, gliders, hyper, and I moved into high-performance sailplanes. So I'm living this bifurcated life of, oh, my ground life sucks, to, oh, my God, look what I'm doing. This is so cool. And that, that was very interesting because I think in terms of learning from a bump, it was one foot in the past and one foot in the present or I should say, even into the future. And navigating the two was not always clean or pretty, but eventually when you let go of that past and you move more fully into a possible future, it's a really exhilarating and wonderful place to be. And then I would say the third bump was business betrayal, where a business partner took all the intellectual property from a business registered it with the patent office as his own, and essentially said, sue me. A lawsuit would cost in increments of half a million dollars, increments of half a million dollars, take at least three years of my life, and there was no guaranteed outcome. And this was after six years of dealing with cancer. So that was a, a bump in that, in a way, it was a freeing bump. I just decided to move on. Uh, I, I looked at it as, he can steal, I can create. Mm. As long as I can create, I have my own path. And I sold my perfect and beautiful house, and I hit the road. And I started a blog, and that brought me back to my original love of writing. The blog won several writing awards. I won some some photography awards. I was in a magazine. So interestingly, that really set the stage for this current part of my life, which is just wonderful. It's a life where I think I'm very in attuned with myself. I'm happy. I have a a strong spiritual death. I'm just in a good place. So I'm very grateful for all of it. Wow. I mean, I would say I'm sorry to hear that you went through that, but I feel like you'll correct me and say, no, it's okay that I went through it because it got me to where I am. So thank you for sharing. And it sounds like it was horrific at the moment. On that, you said you cried for a year. How did you flip, though? How did you go from you know, crying for a year as you're going through all of this to, okay, I'm actually going to go forward. And just as a quick side note for somebody that doesn't know what a glider is, because it's, I don't, I don't know that it's a very well-known thing. It's a plane without an engine. Oh yeah. These, and we call them sailplanes. And you have to imagine 15 to 20 meters of beautiful white fiberglass wing that can run hundreds of miles with no engine. These yeah. are incredible engineering marvels. They're beautiful. And as you can imagine, they open the door to amazing adventures. Yeah, we definitely are going to talk about the glider for sure. But I'm just curious, going back, how did you flip from crying every day to actually seeing these bumps as something that are not only okay, but that you felt fortunate to have them? Through a bump in the road, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I was flying. I learned to fly from a World War II naval aviator. This guy could fly. And he taught me to fly by the seat of my pants, which would later turn out to be very helpful. I could really feel the plane and feel the air. And I think that's somewhat inherent in flying sailplanes. At any rate, I showed up at the airfield one day, to one Saturday, beautiful day, puffy clouds everywhere, which meant there was lift everywhere. And the plane that I usually flew, which was weighed and balanced just for me, was not there. And I'm like, what is going on? Where's my, quote, my plane? And apparently it had been promised to a group for an air show. So here I am with no plane on this perfect day. I was beyond angry. I was just furious. 
And I'd heard while I was flying some people on the radio, and I call them the sky gods. They were flying these, I didn't know it yet, but these magnificent planes roaring down the Appalachian Ridge, traveling huge distances. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. Okay, I'm going to check it out. So I got directions. I went down to the airport, and there's this big sign at the airport that says, no trespassing, do not enter, go away, you are unwelcome. <laughs> and if you are a woman, don't even try to enter. So of course, I ignored it all. And I went in and I was just like in this other world, there was a grid of 20 beautiful fiberglass ships lined up, ready to be launched, two tow planes alternating. It had, they had a big hangar uh, with a control tower, a fuel depot. I mean, it was really quite a quite an operation. And I just stood there and I watched this one plane take off and my heart just was went with it. I had to get into the air. I'm aviation is obviously becoming an addiction, not a sport at this point. And I went in, I said, what does it take to join? And I was discouraged, but I found out, I wrote him a check, put it down and I thought, okay, I'm going to fly. Then I found out in order to fly with this group, I have to buy my own plane. And if I'm going to buy my own plane, I'm going to buy this high-performance, gorgeous plane that I don't even know how to fly yet. <laughs> so it was the bump of not being able to fly that day that ultimately led to my moving to another air airfield. And a few years later, I decided to take my plane. Whiskey Oscar was her name. And, then, and I packed up and went cross-country for a summer. Actually, it ended up being close to a year. But it started off hopefully being only a summer. And we just traveled and we flew, and I decided to move from the East Coast to the West. Wow. Well, that is definitely quite a unique path. I mean, that's one way to avoid a bunk. And I love the fact that you went where women were not welcome. And obviously, it was not literally written on the sign. But these are the kinds of things that we want to do with your hell yes, is when we're told no, that we say, well, that's a lovely thing that you're saying. And we're going to say yes anyway, and we're stepping forward. So now when bumps come up in your life, how do you approach them? The first thing I ask is, what am I supposed to learn? Or what can I learn? And I actually use that as a daily mantra whenever anything comes up. Maybe you're having a conversation with somebody that doesn't quite gel or you're seeing things differently. What can I learn? You know, I, I think that is one of the most important questions we can ask because we ask it of ourselves. It's about self-knowledge and deepening self-knowledge. It's not about trying to control anything or manipulate anybody around you. It's about learning about yourself. And I think the other thing that happens with a bump is that you want to learn to not immediately react, but be still. Just stop. Don't let your mind run on. Stop and be still and just pause, learn, assess the situation a little bit. I appreciate what you're saying because I also focus on, on learning and I think for me, it started years ago, probably 13 years ago or so now. I had one week where I broke my toe. What I didn't know at the time is that I actually had smashed it into pieces, basically. Oh. The day after the man I was in a relationship with and I split, and the day after I get Bell's palsy, which is half your face being paralyzed. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so when your face is paralyzed, you can't blink. So I'm now wearing, you know, how to wear a black patch. After months, it ended up that they realized that my toe was so badly smashed, they put me into a boot up to my knee, just for a pinky toe. So I have a black patch on my eye, a boot up to my leg, I, my face is paralyzed, and I'm single. So life is going spectacularly for me. 
I mean, I looked so bad that a homeless person asked, stopped me to ask me if I was okay. <laughs> and so I will admit the first few days watching my face become more and more paralyzed was traumatizing. I mean, I'd look at myself in the mirror and I was like, where did my face go? Because I like my smile. I like my face. And the idea that 20% of people never get their face back from Bell's palsy. And then after about two or three days, I thought, well, there's no medicine for this. There's nothing I can do. So I'm just going to have to figure out how to make this work for me. And I got a journal and I would just start using colorful markers to write what are the things that I'm learning from the whole experience. You know, with the toe wow. is I had to slow down because I couldn't move fast with the boot. I had to change how I even interacted with people because I didn't want to smile because I looked so strange when I smiled. So it really just brought me inward, brought me, as you said, like quieting down and learning lessons. So I appreciate that you bring that up. I think slowing down is really important sometimes. And unfortunately, it's usually something semi-catastrophic that forces us to do it. But I think it is, it, it really needs to be part of daily routine health. It's like attending to your mental health, which part of that for me is meditation. I think it's an essential daily routine. I really do. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, because it's almost, I mean, we all have different philosophies and things like that. But I do feel like some of these bumps happen because we're not slowing down and we're not getting quiet. And I feel like it's the universe is like body checking me into a wall of like, hey, we've been trying to get your attention and you're not paying attention. So now we're really getting your attention. That's what it feels like to me. And so, yeah, not to say that if we slow down every day, the bumps aren't going to happen. But I think it gets us into a place of acceptance and connection with ourselves and with the bigger forces that be when we're not distracted, we're not doing, we're just quietly being present with, with what is. I think it feels like it sets you up, like you're saying, for what could come in the future. You're already in this state of, let me see how I'm going to approach it, instead of just big reaction mode. Or just trying to barrel through it, which usually doesn't work either. Yeah, exactly. How did you go from having the bumps, learning to fly to, I actually really want to focus on this and starting a podcast and a book. I'd sold my house. I was traveling. And along the way, I mean, I just come off six years of cancer treatment. Six years. Think about this. Wow. It is not minor. <laughs> no. And I had a rare lymphoma, which they said was hopefully manageable, not curable. So the future is just totally uncertain. And here I just walked away from everything. While I was traveling, it occurred to me, I, I started writing a blog called Cancer Road Trip. It's still up. It's not active or anything, but it's still out there. And I got to thinking that, you know, I'm pretty lucky that at least I can take off and go travel like this. Everybody ought to be able to get a break. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to give some number of people an, a bucket list trip and capture their stories? So the idea... Um, came into seven people every quarter, would get a bucket list trip, and we'd pick a few of the stories and, you know, put them into a film format. The first trip was Tanzania, where we could do safari with the metaphor of survival, Kilimanjaro with the metaphor of a mountain, Zanzibar with the idea of the spice of life. I had commitments for a little over a million dollars for it, and COVID hit. Oh, gosh. And travel ceased. I lost two years of work and all the money I'd put into it. Everything fell apart. 
So I laid in bed for a few days, just like, you got to be kidding me, yeah. eating potato chips. Because <laughs> <laughs> what else do you do? Yeah. And the idea of a podcast came to me because I could travel virtually. Nobody knew what was going on or what would happen. And I thought, this will keep my social media audience that I built in place, and we'll kind of see what happens. And out of the blue, the idea for calling it Bump in the Road, which seems so suitable, <laughs> came to me. And I thought, what can I learn? Because, man, I am getting slammed left and right. Maybe somebody else's experience with a bump in the road can teach me something. And I didn't know if it would work. I didn't know if anybody would come on. I just, I'd never done a podcast. I didn't know anything about it. So I just dove in. And now I'm going into my fourth year. I have met the most amazing people all over the world with just incredible stories. And after about a year of doing the podcast, I realized these stories were so full of wisdom. I mean, it just brought me to my knees. And I thought they have to be shared in a more cohesive format. So that's where the idea of a book came. And it's actually the beginning of a book series. The first book is 15 stories of wildly disparate people. And the next book will be Bump in the Road, Strong Women, that will really focus on those stories. In the first book, I tell some of my stories vis-a-vis aviation as they pertain to life wisdom. I won't be part of the future books. I'm looking to focus strictly on my guests. Wow. I, I really appreciate the creativity that came from that bump, you know, that and that's actually I started painting during the lockdowns of COVID in a desperation of I can't take the loneliness loneliness anymore. What can I do? And now I have my own studio. So it's interesting when we were just all stuck in place, what was birthed through it. It seems like a lot of creativity came out of that. And I appreciate that it wasn't just a moment in time that you have this burgeoning, beautiful business that's come out of it that, you know, the podcast the books. I know you also do public speaking and it's a book series. So it's really exciting what you've you've done. So now that you've interviewed so many people, I'm sure that there are common themes. So we've talked about being quiet and focusing on what you can learn. But I'm curious, what else have you learned? What are the common traits of people that actually navigate the uh, bump well? And what do you think separates? Why do some people navigate through, learn something and get to the other side better. And others will get stuck, maybe become bitter forever or really not get through that bump. They just stay on the other side of the bump. I think courage is a big part of it. And courage actually boils down to being willing to get out of your comfort zone. And that's really hard for most people. One of the elements of that is identity. If your identity is absolutely destroyed, through some sort of bump in the road. How do you recover from that? That's really difficult. It strips you down to your bare essentials. And you really have to look at yourself and start asking some pretty hard questions. So I think a willingness to ask hard questions and sit with them and keep delving into it is part of it. I think one of the critical pieces to moving through a bump in the road, maybe the critical piece, is energy. Be willing to put one foot in front of the other. No, even when you don't know where you're going, it is so impossibly hard and you cannot see a future. Find a way to put one foot in front of the other and then do it again. And just keep doing that because even if you go off on a tangent, the fact that you've introduced energy into the equation means that you will find your path. 
I, I recently had a gentleman on my podcast, Jeffrey Berwind, and he's a master storyteller. He's just amazing. But one of the things that he said when he hit a bump in the road that was really devastating for him, uh, a friend of his said to him, God can't drive a parked car. And I think that kind of sums it up. Whatever your religious or spiritual beliefs are, the point is you have to muster the courage to move ahead in order to see any energy in your life again. Yeah, I appreciate that because there are so many times where we feel like, I, you know, I just can't move. I need to sit here curled up, often, you know, feeling sorry for myself or trying to make sense of what's, what happens. And I, I, I have a feeling what you're also saying is, yeah, there is, you're allowed to have time for that. I mean, not even allowed because, you know, it's not like I need to give you permission, but you know, when these things happen, it's not like day one, you're going to be like, Woo-hoo! I have an illness, no. let's go. It's, you know, there is time to slow down, be quiet, process it, understand it. But you're saying, you know, just not getting stuck there, right? Eventually you say, okay, now what? And it almost sounds like it's day to day. Okay, and now what? You know, it's not like you have to have a grand plan, but what can I do today to continue to move forward? Very much. And a lot of these bumps in the road take years to unfold. This doesn't happen overnight. So, you know, you have starts and you have stops. It's not a perfect path. One of my guests, Eric Weinmayer, describes this so beautifully. This is his story, not mine. But it's such a perfect accounting of this. He divides the world into roughly three groups, and we all are a part of all these groups. And we can move between them. There are quitters who are self-evident. There are campers who want to maintain the status quo more than anything. But in all fairness to campers, they may just be so beaten up by life that they don't want to put their head out of the foxhole again. And then relatively few people are climbers. And I think that's such, and climbers can be campers. You get to sit on the couch and eat ice cream or whatever. But there's something in them that they're willing to get out of their comfort zone, stick their head out of the foxhole and try it again. And I am fascinated by what it takes to go from being a camper to a climber. That's part of the reason for my podcast. How do people do this? What are the events that come together to inspire them or terrify them or motivate them in some way to take that step forward? And so what is it? What do you feel like does separate a camper from a climber? And how does somebody go from from one to the other? Good question. I, I think part of it is a willingness simply to get out of your comfort zone. And sometimes if your life is shattered, you have no comfort zone anyway. So Mm. why not? (laughs) I I think though, too, in terms of navigating life, becoming more comfortable with that uncertainty is a really big piece of evolving your life. I I, I think in uncertainty is opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Can you share a little bit more on that? Yeah, well, I think if you go, if you run your life, the same, you drive the same way every day, you eat the same food, it's Wednesday, we're having fried chicken, whatever it is. I mean, you're, you're definitely in a little bit of a rut, even if it's a really pleasant rut. Mm. But that's not where you're going to find creativity. Um, you're only going to find through challenge. There's some sort of challenge to get yourself out of that mindset. And I think that a lot of people who really become climbers are intensely curious people. They're, they're willing to be a beginner, to attack, you know, to go after things where they don't know how to do them, where they can make a fool of themselves, but they're willing to do it. And 
personally, I've made a fool of myself many times. I, I think that's just critical in terms of living an interesting life. And an interesting life is not a bunch of degrees. It's not a title. It's not possessions. It's experiential. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, you and I have talked about this that I, I also am, I describe myself at, a, at my core as a curious adventurer, whether it's exploring the world or myself. I think that uh, creative, curious, creative adventurer is, is how I describe myself. And I appreciate what you're saying because your hell yes life is all about getting out of the comfort zone. So we can stay in that world that we've built for ourselves that felt okay at the time, probably when we built it or we were told this is what we're supposed to do. You know, you go out after after school, you go get a job, those kinds of things. And hell yes is about following your yes. It's about bravely stepping forward to do something that really is calling you to chase that life that has more meaning for you. So I appreciate that you're bringing up the curiosity and the courage because those are core components of living a hell yes in my perspective. And I also appreciate that you brought up identity twice because those are some of the bumps that surprised me most. Like when I left my long career and my business in consulting, I had been wanting to leave it for almost as long as I was in it. And I thought, woohoo, this is going to be great. And it really took me by surprise when I had a hard time letting it go. Not the work, the work I was fine letting go, but even letting go of my old papers because that was a, I worked really hard for this. And I was never somebody that identified with my job. I wasn't the person that walked into a party and said, I own a consulting firm. What do you do? And yet it was what I did for years and years. And so there is an attachment to the expertise, the credibility, the experience mm -hmm. that goes along with it. And so when you just walk away, it's like, wait, that's part of me. I am not okay with letting go. And it took me months of a process until I finally was able to truly burn the papers from my career and let go of that part of my life. But it's not something that we really talk about often of, you know, our identity is fluid. It's not a real thing. It's not set in stone. And yet it is hard to let go of, you know, an ego is not, it's not malleable that we're changing daily in that way. No, no, our ego doesn't want to change at all. Yeah, exactly. So tell me a little bit about how your identity has changed over time. Interesting. I would say when I was younger, I was very aggressive. Aggressive. I knew it all. You know, it, it, the arrogance of youth. <laughs> and now I would say I know nothing. <laughs> I'm comfortable with that. I'm certainly much kinder. I'm certainly much more empathetic. I, I now realize control is a total illusion. You control nothing, really, but yourself on a good day with a tailwind, as I tend to say. <laughs> um, you know, it's um, at the opposite end of the spectrum, 180 degrees away. And I think that that journey is endlessly fascinating because a journey of identity means having things shattered, stripping things away, and rebuilding in a more robust manner. But it is all pretty ugly. I mean, it's like sausage being made behind the scenes. It's it's not pretty, and it takes a long time for all these pieces to come together. And I think that once you've been broken once, I think that then the process of revamping yourself, find being more and more authentic to yourself, becomes easier. Because when you feel that dis-ease, if you will, you know something's not right and you have to address it. And you're, you feel more courage, you're braver because you've done it before. Mm -hmm. 
For sure. When you've gone through some of these identity changes, do you feel like they just naturally evolve in time? Or have you actually sat down and as you're going through a bump or realize that something needed to shift, actually done something conscious around that change? Oh, I'm remarkably conscious and un- unconscious. At <laughs> I would say like going through my divorce, for example, I was not very conscious of how I would change. But on the other hand, I was changing radically. So I think it was a, a confluence of things. I think as I've gotten older, I hope I'm a little more conscious of things, but I still am very capable of saying, oh, screw it. I'm going traveling for six months and I'll figure it out. Or it isn't even that I'll figure it out. Things just come together. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was curious because I feel like some changes, you know, you just wake up and somehow I feel different, you know, not necessarily day to day, but like I look back a month or two and I was like, oh, actually I'm approaching things differently. And then there are others that I feel like I need to really sit with and almost work through. I mean, not mentally work through. I can't change it from my head, but you know, being with myself and letting the energy shift and trying to release what needs to go so that what wants to come through can more easily come to the surface. I think that's really true. I think we all have inherently limiting beliefs that are a result of how we're raised, how we're socialized, the expectations foisted upon us, our own expectations of ourselves. And I think that you need to recognize them first and then be able to let them go in order to find a path that's truer to you. Well, hell yes to that, because that's exactly what hell yes is about. It is about looking at all of these things. And, you know, it's amazing to me that it's almost a weekly basis that I'll see like, oh, well, that's an interesting pattern. And, you know, some of it is society, some of it is maybe family, but a lot of it is just things that I built myself as a child or as I grew up thinking, this is, you know, this is the pattern that's going to get me through life. And seeing these things and, you know, our whole life, we're just learning about ourselves, right? So, so always continuously seeing, well, there's another layer that needs to go and <laughs> being able to let it go. It's work. It's not easily, uh, oh, I see the pattern and now it's gone. Well, you have to get but, down to the root of the pattern and that's yeah. the hard part. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to share a little bit more about that? Yeah. When I was writing my book, I was ready to ask for some endorsements for the book. And I totally flipped out. I mean, like total inaction for several days. I just couldn't make myself do this. This is easy. All you have to do is write an email and send it off to a bunch of people. This is nothing. This is not a major hurdle. I could not do it. And I realized that what I was afraid of was rejection. Mm. Now, I interviewed Jill Bolta-Taylor on my podcast. She wrote my stroke of insight and did the major um, TED talk about her stroke. She's a Harvard brain researcher who had a stroke and watched it shut down. Her TED talk put TED on the map. It was the first talk to go viral. And she recently wrote another book called Whole Brain Living. This is a really fascinating book. I'm going to poorly paraphrase some of what she says in her book because it's relevant to my story of freaking out. Uh, It looks at the brain with four components, and it's much more sophisticated than this. This is my simple perspective. The front left cortex is your analytical brain, the part of you that's super organized and gets everything done. And she names the different parts of her brain. So what did I name that one? Oh, star. I name her star. She's a star. (laughs) You know, she gets everything done. Then on the left back side is the part of your brain that's essentially neurotic. 
that remembers that the role of that part of your brain is to remember things to keep you safe. Mm. But what it really does is remembers all the awful things that ever happened to you and stores them. So when everything comes up, you know, she starts talking to you in ways that really aren't beneficial, but she means well. Yeah. Then on the right side of your brain, right real part is your two-year-old child. And that two-year-old child, you know, wants to eat ice, six flavors of ice cream, leave them on the counter because somebody will clean them up. Chances are Star will clean them up for you. And then the right front part is your, your more expansive spiritual side. I found this really interesting because when I went through this experience of total terror, I used your methodology. And what I allowed the, the right rear part of my brain, star, then dark star, I call her dark star. I let dark star talk to the right rear part of my brain, my two-year-old, and I let her pour out everything that was on her mind. I mean, I couldn't believe the things that came out. I remember pseudo rejections that weren't even rejections from 30 or 40 years ago. It was wow. unbelievable. And as the my two-year-old listened and listened and listened, my anxiety decreased because my dark star got to say what she wanted to say. And it still took me a day or two, but all of a sudden I was able to push beyond that. I was able to see my concern for what it was. And that was a really powerful lesson for me in terms of looking at my own behavior, looking at my identity, looking at what I needed to strip away, looking at what was real or wasn't real. It was very powerful and I was very grateful that I had just within a few weeks talked to Jill because, oh, she gave me the tools to really take a look at this in a way that benefited me and led to, as she calls it, whole brain living, you know, living with an integrated mind that's working on your behalf. That's beautiful. Thank you for the example. I mean, because also letting go of the fear of rejection, think about how many amazing things now going forward are going to be much easier yeah. now that you've, you've done that. Just as a, a curiosity, why was it that that part needed to talk to the two-year-old and not to some of the more spiritual or mature parts? Those are the two that get along the best. Oh, okay. Got it. They're <laughs> pals. They're pals. I mean, there's a there's the idea that this very empathetic, sensitive two-year-old can listen and hear is really meaningful because mm. your, your more spiritual part is well, a little more, at least for me, certainly a little more out there, very peaceful, isn't going to listen to this neurotic talk. <laughs> and, you know, Star is like, come on, get with the program. We're going to get this done. Shut up already. <laughs> yeah, so that makes sense. You have, to have, you have to have an outlet for those buried subtexts yeah. that we all have. It's beautiful. So the one question I ask every guest, and we are at that point, is to get your brag on. Women are often told <laughs> that we are supposed to be humble and not boast and make it about other people. And I think all of that is nonsense because as you've seen in interviewing all these different people and a lot of women, women are magnificent. So yes. I want to give you give you the floor to brag about anything you would like. I am going to say that for one brief shining moment, I was a minor sky god. But <laughs> I got to fly this magnificent airplane with no engine in incredible environments. I did that. I earned the skill and the ability to do that. I bought the plane. I learned to fly a plane. I couldn't fly. I went through so many hurdles to do that. So for that brief and shining moment, I was not at the top of the Sky God Pyramid, don't get me wrong, but I at least was a minor Sky God, and that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, beyond cool. I mean, I am an adventurous person, not as much with physical things. Pat sent me videos and oh my God, (laughs) it's mesmerizing and slightly insane, maybe. I mean, she's flying (laughs) through these magnificent mountains, but again, no engine. So something goes wrong. It's just going wrong. It's not like you can, you know, okay, well, we'll just adjust. You're riding the currents and you just have to trust your skill and trust your equipment and yeah, check out gliding online if you're curious, not necessarily to do it, but just to watch it. It's again, magnificent to watch and will realize just how amazing this brag is and how amazing this woman is that she became a sky goddess. Minor sky god for a brief and fleeting moment. <laughs> yeah, no, see, this is we're we're I'm cutting that out because you can't keep yourself down in the middle of a brag. That goes against the brag. You were a sky goddess, period. So You're not truth- doing it now. It doesn't mean you weren't, you aren't still a sky goddess just <laughs> in your soul. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. This has been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to have it in the show notes, but what's the best way for people to find you and your work? Bumpintheroad.us. It's the website. We're on all the major podcast platforms. We're on YouTube, Substack, just everywhere. The bumpintheroad.us is the best place to start because there's tons of videos and pictures and information that you won't find elsewhere. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. Here's to making the future bumps easier. (laughs) Indeed. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you feel inspired and ready to handle any bump ahead in your road. Don't forget to sign up for the mailing list so you can finally look forward to your email. The link is in my show notes. And until next time, stay brave and true to your hell yes.